This is Soundtrack, a podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life, because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kaya Leakty. All right, hey everyone, I'm here with Zach Platt, a good friend of mine. What's up, Kyle? Hey, how's it going? Going all right, man. Yeah, all right. Chill. Yeah, you know, long work week, good yeah. day though. Yeah. So, uh, we have, uh, we've known each other for quite a long time. Uh, I was uh, a little annoying kid that was bugging you to death probably when I was uh, in elementary. Only a little bit more than most kids. <laughs> you know, only a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so that, that's when I, I met you at church, uh, but you, you kind of knew me probably even before that just because of uh, family members that you knew. You knew my grandpa, my great uncle, several other Lichties. Yep, knew them all. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of us too. But uh, yeah, so one of the things for you is that you, you pretty much grew up in the Fort Wayne area just like I did for most of your life. Uh, you were nearby in some cases and but for the most part in the Fort Wayne area. Uh what was that like? Oh, Fort Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you talk about that cuz uh being out in Montana visiting my brother who also grew up in Fort Wayne. We were talking about how um people in Indiana don't vacation, they leave. Yeah. It like you know like yeah. me and my brother both left Fort Wayne. Um it's kind of like once you get out you don't go back. Right. And if you do something Bad happened. Right. <laughs> uh, it's it's you know it was a good. I mean, jeez. I yeah I had a rough childhood, but it wasn't. I look back on it, and I think you know, life's life. You just kind of roll with it and keep going. Because if you if you dwell too much on the past on how it affected you, you don't actually grow up and mature. You know, you just you kind of just get stuck in your past. You know. Yeah. So I've always been one to keep rolling kind of dictates how you're living then in yeah. the present. Yeah, and then I never wanted to do that. So yeah. I always wanted to just keep moving. You know, obviously you deal with your crap, but you don't ruin your relationships you currently have, you know. Right. So so one of your uh, your first influences, although you had several, uh, your dad was hugely influential with 70s music. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so Three Dog Night, Boston, Alice Cooper, uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, another Hoosier. <laughs> another uh, Hoosier, yeah. Yeah. What, uh, how did that come about? How did he get into the, I mean, granted, he grew up during that time. Yeah. But what, what made that uh, type of music that he was listening to as a young person? My dad grew up a preacher's kid, so he had a rebellious streak in him. You know, he, he didn't want to be the same as his father my grandpa. And grandpa was a Methodist lay minister, so he was pretty strict growing up on my dad. And so my dad, once he found kind of music and he started rebelling, not because of music, but because he wanted to rebel. Um, and then he got involved in drugs, and that was kind of like the, the theme, the... Counterculture of the that Counterculture time. of the, you know, it was the, you know, like drugs and music went hand in hand, but it kind of was like the, the soundtrack for that lifestyle, you know? Yeah. 
being a drug dealer and those sorts of things. And my mom, we were in Montana with my brother and my mom a few, a few weeks ago, and uh, she was telling old stories of my dad. They've been divorced for years, and she was telling old stories from that time period about them just, you know, partying. And it, it always involved listening to music and doing drugs, you know? So that was like part of their life, you know? They had, you know, fast cars and, you know, fast women, and it's just, that's how it was, so. Even in Fort Wayne. Even in Fort Wayne, there's a, I don't know if you remember um, Spiron Avenue, there was like that concrete wall. There's like a, yeah. Because it was a really sharp curve. Yeah. Well, that, that's been there since the 70s. And my mom used to tell me, was telling me a story about they'd drive as fast as they could and they'd get up on that wall, like one tire on the wall, one tire on the road, and ride it around and come off of it. She said they do that all the time in the middle of the morning. They wow. just do that, like, as fast <laughs> as they could. And, like, you guys are insane. People. Yeah. You know? I wouldn't do that now. This does, I would never try that. You wouldn't. You would think that you wouldn't even be alive. Yeah. Just because, <laughs> like, somebody would get hurt. Right. You know? <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, my goodness. What? So, how did that uh, translate then to you? Well, you know, growing up, Dad always listened to music. Um, be it out, outside working in the yard or working in the garage, or we'd be out, you know, cutting trees or whatever. We had the truck radio on, the car radio on. Um, when we started going on trips, um, grandparents bought property in the UP of Michigan and uh, the Upper Peninsula, for those who aren't aware. <laughs> they, they bought this property up there and it was an eight hour drive from Fort Wayne, Indiana for us. And we'd drive this, every weekend we'd get in the car, get off school on Friday, and we'd drive there Friday night. But on the way up, we'd listen to music, and me and my dad used to play this game called Drink. And now, this is an adult game, but um, I was not drinking alcohol. My father, he had a beer with him. You know, this is back when the, the laws were a little more lax, let's say. Um, yeah. So he had a beer with him, and I'd be, had my Fago Pop, or what it is, it was mainly Fago Pop, or Pepsi. You had to guess the title of the song within the first like few bars of the song coming on the radio. And so we used to play that game all the time on the way up to keep ourselves entertained. And we played other different games. That was the game we mainly played. And so I got familiar with the artist that was on the radio. Or, you know, we put on a John Cougar Mellencamp cassette or something like that, and we'd have to guess what song it was. You know, of course, my father was at a huge advantage, you know. But it, it was a, it, it taught me, you know. I feel like that's a game that I would want to do as well. Oh, it was, it was so much fun. Yeah, it was a challenge. <laughs> that was definitely like how my, my, there's just always music around, you know. We had records and stuff like that in the house, in the house also, so dad would listen to, you know, LPs and I just, you know, being a kid, you're around it, you know. So not only your dad, but you, your mom was also influential, um, but instead of classic rock, it was Motown. Oh yeah. She, How did that happen? Uh, mom's always been more. My if my dad was a little bit country, my mom was a little bit city. You know, she's always been more in tune with like what's going on in the country, what's going on in culture. Was open more open minded in that time period. You know, to other people and people of color, and just culture in general. And so she was always, you know, her friends. She was friends with everybody. You know, she's like my mom's one of those people that. Um, if she likes you, she loves you. And she loves like 98% of the people she knows. Yeah. 
The other two percent, she hates. It's like there's no one way or the other. Like, yeah. but uh, you know, she's definitely more open to like it was Motown and Carol King and you know just like these artists. I wasn't super familiar with because I hung up, hung with my dad a lot. Okay. Um, but when I was with mom, mom listened to music. You know, she again like family always had the radio on or they're always going to concerts. Like they did a lot of things together. You know, like. And, you know, we talked about, you know, my grandparents, you know, they, they used to travel all over and see different country artists, country music artists perform, and they always, they always had music in their house playing, you know, it was very, we've always had music around. I think we're not like a musical musician family, yeah. but we're a very musical family, like the family loves, they love the entertainment aspect and they love just the music, so. yeah. They like music. They like bands. They like um, my my mother's father. Um, he's passed away. My grandpa on that side, but um, he played trumpet in the military band, and he also, you know, when he left, he he moved back to Fort Wayne, and um, he was in different big band groups of the time. You know, mm-hmm. he played trumpet for several different big band groups and. And so he was very, like, musical also in that way. He just, I don't know, we always had this thing. It was, my family's always been about learning and music in a way. It's like, gain knowledge, learn, read from books, you know, learn from experiences. And that's always been, like, a staple of what we do. And then enjoy yourself, you know. Enjoy food, enjoy music, enjoy, you know, just enjoy being alive, you know. Because it's... What else is there to do, you know? So you mentioned your grandparents with country. Yeah. Uh, let's delve into that a little more. Because um, Johnny Cash was also a big influence oh, yeah. for you. For me, yeah. Uh, I mean, we, I know we've talked about uh, the American recordings a ton. And, uh, what is, how did that happen? What, what, the, what was the connection with your grandparents' music? The memories are, it was always there. But one memory I have that I really cherish is, uh, they had two houses that I, I grew up in. They had a Snow Lake house and they had a cabin. Um, when they moved out of the Snow Lake house, they moved to a cabin over on another like private lake. And both houses had intercom systems in them. I don't know why, I think Grandpa just thought it was cool to have an intercom system, you know? Mm-hmm. But you could play cassette tapes with the radio with those. And so in the morning, they would play country music into our rooms when we spend the night there. Yeah. And so we'd hear like, we wake up to country music, you know, the, you know, George Strait and um, Johnny Cash and, you know, just Reba McIntyre, just, just a, a variety of country artists. And it was, that's how we woke up in the morning. So like a wake up call yeah, for that's, breakfast. Yeah, for breakfast and we'd get up and they'd still have music playing downstairs and grandma would just be humming along in the kitchen making pancakes or eggs and grandpa would be sitting there with his cup of coffee and his windmill cookies because that's what he ate for breakfast it was two windmill cookies and a cup of coffee and then we'd you know get pancakes or eggs and stuff and yeah then we'd go out and start our day you know this is usually summer break and so we'd go out and go fishing or go you know hiking or you know go do yard work or whatever grandpa wanted to do we didn't care we just we're glad to be there you know Sometimes we build projects down in the wood shop where we have the radio we play in the wood shop and it's just, yeah, it was always part of what we were doing. You know, it was never like, it's never like you just sat in a room silently. You know, you always had 
something going on that you're doing musically. Yeah. So. You have a really cool story with your grandparents too about seeing Walk the Line. You want to share that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's I had moved moved to Detroit, Michigan, and um, Walk the Line came out, and uh, I really wanted to see it. And I contacted my grandparents, my father. I was like, I really want to see this movie. Do you guys want to meet me to see it? And they're like, absolutely. So I drove down from Detroit to um, my grandma, my grandpa, my father and I all went and saw Walk the Line together. And um, I got to sit next to grandma. And I just thought, like, they, she keep leaning over to the movie, like, that's true. That's true. Like, just whispering to me, like, like, the true facts of the movie and what was, like, you know, a little overdone. But she... It was just amazing to see a movie like that with them because they were that was they loved Johnny Cash and um, June Carter and so they just thought it was one of it's a great movie to see with them you know because I enjoyed it and they enjoyed it we got to share that together and then you know that also led into conversations you know, like as a as a grandchild you know you have conversations but it's hard that to have that like next level adult conversation with a, a grandparent <clears throat> is a different. Thing, you know, and that was like the adult conversations started happening, you know, more yeah. so. You know, like, like I got more of the adult stories from Grandpa, and I got more of the the darker side of life stories. You know, that you wouldn't. It, it's that point where we started connecting on an adult level. I'd say, you know, because we we shared an adult thing. You know, right? Like a movie with both of us that we a musician we both enjoyed. You know. You had a you have a similar interest in something, right. and so then there's this extra bond yeah. that's created yeah. until a while back to yeah, take place. Definitely, yeah, and I and that's I think that's where it started for me. Um, we always had conversations, but it was always as the grandpa grandchild, you know. And it was, but now from there on, it was more like it wasn't like equals necessarily, but it was like very much similar level, you know. Yeah, I feel like. Music helps you bond in that way too, you know. So right. So you're you're growing up, and you have this uh, kind of uh, interesting way of how you start to expand your music palette uh, through a magazine called Columbia House. Well, it wasn't a magazine. It was a mailing. They, they it's in the mailing now every month. Okay. I got this mailer addressed me like as a kid to get mail it didn't matter what it was right yeah. it didn't it didn't you're like i got mail this is amazing you know <laughs> i got this piece of mail from columbia house records and i'm thinking i open it up and it's like it's a it's a thick envelope you open it up and there's like a order form and then a a sheet of stamps it's like this big thing that unfolds and it's got all these little tiny stamps on it and they're all different like albums and so you like you look through the little stamps and you pick the you you pull the stamp off like and stick it to the order form of what albums you want. So you get like a buy one get ten free or buy one get twelve free. It always had some kind of crazy offer, and you became a member. And every month they'd send you one to two albums, and you'd review them. If you didn't like them, you sent them back. Those are my first albums. I actually like I. I picked them, but my parents had like a, my father, I should say, had rules on what I could listen to. Because at this time, my dad was, um, he had like rededicated his life to Christ, and he was trying to live a better life. Um, I mentioned earlier, my dad, he was, 
quite the hellion. Yeah. You know, drugs and alcohol and um, prison. Um, he eventually turned his life around, got straightened out. But um, at this point, my dad was trying to live a good life. And uh, he thought best to raise us in a Christian home with Christian values and kind of say, hey, this is the rules of the house and this is the kind of music you listen to. Um, at that time, country music being safe um, and some rock albums being safe. Now, he was more about lyrical content than, than anything. Um, so if it was positive, he was pretty much okay with it. But the Columbia House thing, I ordered all country and a Cranberries album. Oh, yeah. I had one Cranberries album. But everything else is country. Brooks and Dunn, Reuben McIntyre, Vince Gill. Um, just a bunch of stuff. And I, I listened to that mainly until sophomore, junior year in high school. Columbia House is over, obviously. And I've started exploring, like, Christian rock. Um, which I know you have a lot of experience with, too. <laughs> but I wasn't... I wasn't entirely happy with what the music scene was. It was like Newsboys and Audio Adrenaline and these bands just weren't, they were kind of hokey in a way. I just never got it, you know, I was like, I'm not really into this. So I started exploring other avenues and I found, you know, got into punk rock, you know, Tooth and Nail Records, which is a Christian label, was turning out some really good stuff. So I tried to explore the punk rock thing and I just really wasn't into it. like. It was cool, but it was it was my thing. I found a couple albums, um, industrial albums, which I thought were really cool. Band uh, artist named Clank, I thought it was really cool. Um, Cell Dweller, Angel Dust, which Angel Dust was Chris Angel and Cell Dweller, which everybody knows Chris Angel from Mind Freak, but he was a Christian industrial artist prior to that. Wow. And um, Cell Dweller is a Detroit techno artist. Yeah. who was in a Christian band, before, you know, artist before that. Which is just amazing to me that both these people are now, they're doing other things. It was just like crazy back in the, I was like, I was listening to Chris Angel. It was just weird, industrial music, I don't know. Yeah. That started like my interest in other music, you know, like outside of country and rock. I was listening to this industrial and some dance and like all these different styles. But I really hadn't found my niche yet, you know? Yeah, and so... This is where black metal kind of came into, right? Yeah, and it, I wasn't like necessarily looking for a niche, but I met this guy named Josh, and uh, he had—he was one of those guys that kind of like a troubled past, but really nice guy. Just people—he didn't—he didn't necessarily get along with people. Not like he wanted to fight them. He just was kind of like a social outcast in a way you know you go to church people expect you to dress a certain way behave a certain way mm-hmm. he came to church did not behave properly did not dress what they thought you should dress like I was like well everybody needs a friend so I'm talking to this dude and befriending him because it's just you know he seems like he, he an interesting person so we're talking and the subject of music comes up one day and uh, I'm like, so what kind of music do you listen to? He's like, oh, I listen to, like, black metal. I'm like, what's black metal, you know? And I'm like, like metal, like, uh, like you know, like, Motorhead? And like, so he's like, no, 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 it's nothing like that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, like, Pantera? He's like, a little bit closer, but not, it's, it's better than that, he says. I'm like, okay, whatever. 
he's like, I'll, next week when I come back, I'll bring a, I'll bring a cassette for you, because cassettes were the thing. Yeah. And in my my truck, I had um, I had a F one fifty, but I had some su- you know subs in a truck box. I had a good sound system in this truck, because I was always dabbling in electronics. Um, nice, I had a nice radio. That next week, um, we hop into my truck, and my buddy Josh hops in, and my buddy, I think it was Ben Hebner, actually. Remember oh, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Ben Hebner hopped in with us. And um, we put the cassette in, and mind you, I've never heard anything like this. And it, it's Horde. The name of the band is Horde. And it's Norwegian black metal, and it just kicks off. And it is the most insane thing I ever heard in my life. But at that moment, I knew I loved it. I, I, I didn't go into it wanting to love it. I went into it open-minded. Right. And when it hit, it was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And then from that moment on, I went, I was ordering every like Christian black metal album I could. And we had a mail order album. Yeah. Because no one stocked these. No, no one even knew they existed. And so I go, I go to our Christian bookstore in the church there. And I'd be like, I want to order this album. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right. And I'd like, pull up this microfilm. And they'd pull the film. And they go, and we'd look through the catalog of where they could order it from. And it, they always had to order from, like, Australia or Norway. Because Row Records is based out of Australia. So I, I'd be ordering all these like death metal albums, Christian death metal albums from overseas. And they'd come to the bookstore, they'd be like, what is this? I'm like, don't worry about it. And I'd just <laughs> pay for it and leave. <laughs> I mean, because the, the, the album art is just like, oh, yeah. it's graphic, you know? It's yeah. like just like skulls and melting looks skin. satanic, probably. Oh, it did look satanic. And it, it, just, it didn't matter what it looks like. It's what, what's the content? What are they really about, you know? But, so, uh, yeah, so I started reading. Nor- Northern Lights was the first album I ordered from there. And that was a compilation album of uh, three or four. I still have it upstairs. Actually, it might be in a box somewhere. I used to lay in bed sometimes at night listening to black metal, and I'd tear up. I, I, honestly, it was, it was just like, there's something beautiful about it I really enjoyed, so. What, why was that so beautiful? Oh, it's hard to, I don't, it's hard to describe, but like, so yeah, the, the vocals are growly, growling or screaming, and the um, guitars are distorted, but there's just like, element of beauty and like I try to think about this often but it doesn't I don't know if it was my life was kind of chaotic growing up so I'm like did I enjoy it because it felt normal like because of my, the chaos of my life did I enjoy that or is it just that because I read the lyrics too and the lyrics were very positive I don't know tough so it's, it's a tough subject to explore you know because so, yeah. it's, it's hard to, it's hard to understand why right yeah. like certain music you can break down why it resonates with people you know like pop music because it there's a science behind it we all know that you know you do this formula and you create a pop song people mass people will like it yeah so but the death note I don't know I've met a few other people who have the same like relationship to it you know like some people, metal hypes them up and gets them all angry. Like for me, it does the opposite. It relaxes me, calms me down, jam, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, there's times when people just, music, it provokes emotions, but yeah. you have no idea how to explain it. Right. Uh, rationally. Yeah, it's, it's not a rational. To think that growling and screaming will provoke relaxation doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe that's the part that's beautiful about it is that you don't know how to explain it. Yeah. During that time too, you're 
you're really going to local shows, you're, you know, experiencing live ex uh, events of, mm -hmm. of a lot of these artists that uh, you're resonating with during that time. What was that like to, to go to shows at a young age? Going to shows, it was like a treat for me. Because, you know, growing up on, out in the country, my life consisted of get off the bus, split wood, eat dinner, do your homework, go to bed. Um, and that's because we heated our house with wood. And so on the weekends, we'd go out and cut trees down. During the week, I'd split the logs into usable lumber for burning in the wintertime. In the summertime, you, you didn't burn wood, obviously. But um, in the wintertime, we heated our whole wood house, and I had to have enough w wood stocked for winter. Mm -hmm. And so my life consisted of work. <laughs> I mean, if I wasn't, if it was summertime, we were working on the, the gardens to raise our own vegetables and produce. And then in the you know, school year, was splitting wood. The little bit of time I had with music was what? It was a release at that point, you know? And that won't make it sound like we were slaves or anything, but we were like, we worked hard and that's what we did. But um, when I got to go to a show, that was like my time. Like no one else, like my parents would use that as like a disciplinary action. They'd be like, you misbehave, you can't go to a show. Yeah. You can't go out with your friends, can't go to the show. So. Maybe that's what my mom should have done. Dude, I was, I'd be on my best behavior, seriously. <laughs> I wanted to go, I, you could take anything else away from me, I would not care. They're like, oh, you know, you're grounded from the, I, mean, I don't care. You know, I'll just go sit in my room. Yeah. And people, it's not like kids today have rooms, they have their, they have their cell phones, they have their computers. I didn't have that. So like going to my room was like literally like, you had to sit there and do nothing. Do, yeah, or read a book or, yeah. you know, something like that. But the shows though, man, we used to go, to this, there's several venues in Fort Wayne. First show I ever went to was at a place called Grace Shakers. And I saw all my friends' bands play there. Um, they had they had different ska bands or punk bands. They were always playing some kind of band because they were musicians where I was not. Um, and I just loved going and seeing them perform. And then I then that led into me finding out where the bands I listened to on albums were playing. And I'd go see them perform, which was awesome. Like we there's this venue, um, it's behind the tattoo shop called the back door. The, the venue is called the back door. <laughs> We're talking maybe, maybe should have had 200 people at the most in there. Maybe. And they'd pack that place out, three, 400 people. Everybody would be shoulder to shoulder, sweating everywhere. Every show, there's some dude getting naked in the front, running around, everybody's <laughs> laughing. And the bands, you know, we saw, you know, we'd see like just different like emo acts at the time. Not, not like emo, what it turned into, but every time like guys like screaming and wailing and like getting like beat up and it's just it was a different scene it wasn't like it wasn't like what it turned into but you know i'd yeah. see different hardcore bands play and different like acts come through the city because fort wayne's kind of a crossroads for touring bands i don't like smaller touring bands basically had to go through fort wayne yeah because of the, the highways you know, and, their, and their buses and they usually stopped and played there um alkaline trio used to play a lot there and at the drive-in play the there before they were big and at the back door and all these little bands would come through that eventually became big bands and so I could see a lot of small acts play there. It was awesome. Yeah. I saw so many great bands there. Is there something about that live experience that you just 
goes to another level of connection. Oh, I believe the music. I believe one hundred percent that. Like I believe that. Um, well, you can first off, you're experiencing it with other people, so you, and you're consciously aware that there are other people around, and you are all there to enjoy this music. I love going with friends, like taking a friend with me to a show, and having them experience what I'm experiencing for the first time, or the second or third time even. Like, but just enjoying like. This is what I enjoy. Now you can enjoy it, or you already enjoyed it, and we're enjoying this together. Um, and then seeing the bands perform, it was, to me, on a. So I've always been like mechanically inclined. Um, didn't really know. I always thought I wanted to be either an engineer or an architect or an electrician. Um, never knew really what I wanted to do in that that capacity, though. This uh, going to shows kind of sparked my interest in the live performance. Like, what is it about the live performance that makes people enjoy it so much? And I think it's the first element is other people. And yeah. Second element is um, the reinforced sound. Having live sound is a different sound than an album, and so your your body's experiencing it differently. So you're, you're visually experiencing it, and you're physically experiencing it differently. And then the band performing also is just like another element of you don't see you see them like performing they're like putting they're giving every bit of energy they have that moment to you to make you happy yeah you know and they and again they receive praise from that but it's you know these guys they on tour they work their butts off you know so post high school still you're really delving and you're you're really expanding your musical taste like. You mentioned black metal, but then it, it really starts to expand with like Dashboard Confessional, Me Without You, Cigarose. How to, I mean, those are all varying different genres that I just mentioned, but what, maybe, how are these, uh, how is your music taste expanding like that? Um, well, for me, I, I kind of like, once I found black metal, I kind of felt like I had a niche. Like, oh, this is my style of music. And, but, I never wanted to be that old guy who only listened to one style of music and everything else is crap. So I always try to keep my mind open to what else is out, whatever else is out there. And so I went to this festival one year, Bushnell, Illinois, called Cornerstone. Yeah. Big music festival. And I had a lot of fun. And uh, I, that festival, I get to see a lot of bands perform. And I was just like, man, this is, there's so much other good music out there. That's when, like, so I was into black metal. I was just starting to get into, like, hardcore. And I saw a band called uh, Ludacris perform. Not the rapper, but a band, a hardcore band from there, from Atlanta, performed Ludacris. And they eventually turned into Norma Jean. Um, and some of the members went and performed The Chariot. But, and now the, the 68, but, sorry, a little segue there, but anyhow, they, when I saw them perform, I was like, man, this is like the energy and aggressiveness of like punk rock mixed with like the seriousness of metal. And yeah. It was just so much fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And so I really got into like hardcore music and like, there was like, some of the bands were like political and like, they had like this heart behind them. They're like serious about what they, they're talking about. There's like, you know, it was like during the time when like Straight Edge became a thing and PMA and like 
these like phrases that people used to tout like oh yeah I'm straight edge or I'm this I'm that and uh, people were getting really serious about like what they thought you know they're taking it seriously and I thought it was just that I I wasn't straight I would I never labeled myself as straight edge or any of that stuff or but I, I understood why people did and I always thought you know it's kind of silly but I kind of see the point too and so I really I was really digging the hardcore scene but there's also I, I was still exploring other bands like I remember when I saw Me Without You for the first time we were in the bottom the basement of Anchor Community Church in Fort Wayne and saw some amazing bands but the last act um, we're all standing there and like has anybody heard of this band Me Without You and literally everybody in the crowd's like no one had seen them for some reason none of us saw my cornerstone that year it's weird and we're all like I think there's some kind of Weezer cover band and we're like a cheesy Weezer cover band this is gonna suck and so we're all standing there in the front we're like alright whatever we're gonna watch perform because we're here to perform and from the moment the first chord struck everybody's mouths just dropped open we're like what is this and it was um well so maybe uh, explain to the audience what it what is me without you because it's, right. it's a it's not exactly uh a particular type of genre right me without you can be heavy at times soft to others but it's all it's fronted by a guy named aaron and Aaron is very passionate on stage about what he's performing. But off stage, he's very humble, very quiet, very mild-mannered. But on stage, he has like this alter ego that comes alive yeah. and just is crazy performer. And the band, they were all dressed, the funny thing is they were all dressed in suits. And Aaron was in a black turtleneck. <laughs> and he's just, he's skinny and he's just awkward. And, but Aaron's very, very intelligent. So lyrically, the music is like, the, the lyrics you look at, they, they blow you away because he'll talk about, he'll talk about like nuclear war in a song and you don't even know what he's talking about until you do the research on what he's actually saying. You know, like, like, oh my gosh, he's referencing this and that and like, oh, it's just, but the first album, um, Life A to B, or A to B Life. Yeah, A, a to B Life. A to B Life. Um, that album was, more focused on like relationship stuff so there's a lot of personal like dealing with stuff in that album that I just I really loved you know like just oh it's like some of the dark thoughts we have while in relationships or being out of relationships or broken up or whatever and it's just it's beautiful you know I don't know yeah yeah can't remember the color of your eyes it's the shape of your dress you know stuff it's just like it's, I don't know, man. It resonated with me. Like that, that band from that moment on, for the first time I saw them, I, I never stopped loving them. Uh, you know, all the changes and they change styles too. They've gone folky. They've gone. They just change their style. They morph with whatever they want to do. And I've always liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we yeah, they're, they're, we've seen we've seen them. A I, handful of times. I I, I've seen them a handful of times with you, but I've right, seen them. Yeah. Probably 10, 15 times at least. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. It's, it's Amazing. always just a great, a great show. Every time. Yeah. Every time, man. Yeah, and it, yeah, me without you. 
I mean, it's like funny. I, I like people ask, "Oh, what kind of music do you listen to?" I'm like, oh, black metal. But it's like, me without you is almost a weekly staple in my life. Like when I'm flying here to there, wherever I'm going, me without you is on Spotify for sure. You know. Yeah. What about the uh, the other bands that I, I mentioned? Um, like Sega Rose, I love Sega Rose, but it was like more of those things where I kind of like I discovered them and it just resonated with me. And a lot of bands, if it resonates with me, I, I enjoy it. Like Oliver Tree's a newer artist. Um, you've heard yeah. earlier. Yeah. That song hurt. I heard it and I was like, this resonates. I like it, you know. But like with Sega Rose, like when I heard the first album. Um, I was like, this is new, this is interesting. He's not actually saying anything. It's a made-up language. It's so basically an instrumental. You know, it's basically instrumental music. And I really enjoyed it. I started reading a lot of Soren Kierkegaard. And it kind of went along with those kind of writings, you know, existential writings. Like, that kind of music kind of, for some reason, went along with me reading and writing. And I was with other people also that weren't necessarily metal people you know my our friend Andy Jump and yeah and people that I was around because metal is kind of harsh and me without you is even like so people can't handle that because it's not it's not your typical musical format you know it's not like you know pop candy stuff you know it's not like garbage but anyhow <laughs> you know he um but I had friends who but Sega Rose a lot of people really got into them yeah and they could really get behind it because it wasn't it wasn't mainstream, but it was like just enough. It was just accessible enough that people could really get behind it. And so I listened to more of that stuff when other people were around, you know, in larger settings. Um, mind you, again, we're I'm still running sound, and I we just moved to Detroit. Well, I was listening to Sigur Rós before we moved to Detroit, though. That time's a busy time in my life. That was all kind of a whirlwind, and so it's like hard to place exactly what happened but like i used i started having to develop different sound songs to use as test songs yeah so in the sound world you, know, you tune a system i needed a test track and so i used different bands like Sega rose is a good test track because i can play it anywhere and no one's gonna be offended by it right um coldplay was another one of those like you'd listen to a coldplay track and people aren't gonna get offended by it. Um, and so I had to start introducing stuff like that into my repertoire um, to have, because you can't just play, you know, death metal. Yeah. And people, they, they, they don't like that. Right. So, yeah, Sega Rose was part of that time period of me exploring different things, you know. Well, later on, uh Post rock then even oh, helped even more. Absolutely. Through uh, Mogwai, Explosions in the Sky. God's and, Black Hammer. Yeah, who we, we've seen, seen of each of those yeah. with each other, uh, including Cigaros. And that was so. Explosions is one of those bands that like kind of came out and like I don't know, like in the hardcore metal scene. The there's a lot of that music kind of like passes by you and if you don't grab onto it, it's gone. But if you do, you kind of fall into another track. And so like that happened, like, you know, I latched on the explosion in the sky and Mogway's always been around. Like, you, I don't know if you remember like reading like liner credit like, in the, yeah. in the back of an album and say we think these bands. Mogway is a band that was thanked a lot, you know? And so I, I got into them. Um, 
as I said, uh, Gatsby, back the album Leaf. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. That music to me was just it was another level of just like enjoyment. It's just like there's I don't have to just listen to black metal. Like, I enjoy this stuff too, and. Uh, I don't have to listen to lyrics. Yeah, there's no lyrics involved, which I really enjoy lyrics, but this stuff was just like instrumentation that was just beautiful. They're creating just beautiful music, and it's like, it's not like jazz or anything. It's just like, and it's not like classical, but it's like somewhere, it's like you took, like they call it push rock, it's like rock, and then you fuse it with like just instrumental, and it's like just beautiful. Creates a, a, a landscape. Oh, yeah. Uh, in your head. Yeah, it's, I love it. And I, I never saw Sega Rose until like probably 10, 11 years after I started listening to him, I finally had to see him. That was like a bucket list thing. CC Wasn't that was, awesome? That was awesome. I, it was amazing yeah. to see them. Yeah, it was. Uh, you have a cool story with uh, Dashboard Confessional. Oh, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Dashboard thing, though, that took off with my one group of friends, um, Ben Hepner, Nate Utesh, Simon Lesser. Ben's parents had bought a large piece of property outside of Fort Wayne. They had a 17-acre pond and a 30-acre piece of property. And we go out there late at night. We collect pallets all week long in my truck, and we throw them in his burn pile. And we had this big bonfire every Friday night. A bunch of us would come over, and we just, you know, have a big bonfire and hang out. And we'd also walk around the pond late at night singing Dashboard Confessional lyrics. And so that was like one of the things, because like Further Seems Forever was one of our favorite bands. This is, my, remember I told you I started exploring other bands and I found Further Seems Forever and I loved Further Seems Forever. It was like, it was beautiful. And then, you know, Chris Crabba left and formed Dashboard Confessional and we're like, well shoot, we like Dashboard too then, you know? So, yeah. and we really did. We walk around the pond at night seeing Dashboard Confessional and Me Without You songs. Just walking around this pond at night, just hanging out. Uh, Renee Yell was there too. And uh, it was just so much fun. Like, And then finally we got to see Dashboard. 2002, he came to the House of Blues in Chicago. And we bought, Nate went online to buy tickets. Or no, he went to Wooden Nickel. Yeah. He went to Wooden Nickel to buy tickets. They were sold out. I mean, the day he went, the day of. And couldn't find them. The day, that day of the show, day of when they released. Yep. Well, we heard through the grapevine that they added a second show. And so we're like, awesome. So we got tickets to the second show. And I guess that one sold out too. And so they added a third show. It was three days. Dashboard Confessional, The National, Ben Quiller. Um, the National too? Yeah, The National was there. Dang. Um, ben Quiller. They weren't the headliners. But they were yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. Still. Um, Big Quiller and oh, there's one other group. I can't remember the other group was, but I was there to see Dash Dashboard. Yeah. That's all I cared about. And uh, Dashboard, when he performed, so I was standing down in the pit, the House of Blues of Chicago. I was, I was probably eight people from the front, and I was like, it was beautiful. One of my favorite shows ever. You know, seeing Dashboard play. What are you What are you listening to now? Oh gosh. My musical tastes have changed. Um, well, just this weekend on the flight home, Norma Jean. I see. I still listen to Melody. Norma Jean just came out with a new two two new tracks. I was listening to those. Um, I was listening to Me Without You on the flight home. Um, Lizzo. I've been listening yeah. to Lizzo a lot. 
since been in Montana. Um, she's amazing. Uh, I saw her at Mopop. Oh, I didn't know she was at Mopop. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's something about her vo- vocal style and musical style that she's combined the two. She's a very good singer, and she just, it sounds, the style, I, I like how fun the musical style is, too. And I, I watched the NPR Tiny Desk over, and I was like, she actually oh, can really sing. Nice. So I've been listening to Lizzo, Tyler the Creator, um, Mad Villain. So a little bit of hip-hop now. So yeah. So the industry's kind of changed. Like, hip-hop's not about, like, gangster thug stuff anymore. You know, like, when I grew up, it was about shooting cops, and then it became about getting hoes. And now it's not about that anymore. No it's it's different, you know. And there's still some of that element in hip hop, but it's really changed a lot. And I, I really, again, I've been about lyrics, you know. And so the lyrics in hip hop are they're, they make me laugh. Like um, Two Chains, oh my goodness, makes me laugh. Like you wouldn't believe. It. I I swear he's just doing this to make fun of hip hop because he's just <laughs> so funny. Like there's no way he's serious, you know. It's just it, it's hilarious what he says, you know. I get so high, I can talk to a chandelier. It's like, it's, it's funny because the chandelier's high and he's saying he's so, it's just silly, you know? Like, he says silly things, right. you know? And I, I, I respect that. But um, Matt Mason, listen to Matt Mason lately. Yeah. I, I've, I've explored other avenues. Cringe is huge right now. Oh, I can't believe how big it's, yeah, yeah. It's number one on alternative. Is it really? Yeah. And I've been listening for when I first heard him, you know? Like, it's just like, before the album, album was out, like, um, Billie Eilish. I mean, I, I explored new artists too because I, not just you know Matt Mason. He he's kind of a, he's been playing music for a while, but like Billie Eilish, she's new. You know, like like Oliver Tree. He's been in the industry a little bit, but he's his album's not out. Um, Hobo Johnson. Like you get another artist that I just kind of I try to explore what's going on, and I may not like some things, but I want to try and know what's going on to be part of that because it's music's going to change. And I want to be, I want to be there to see it happen. You know, it's always evolving. Yeah. In some way. I don't want to be stuck. Has, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes it's still you're you still want like the garage rock that you yeah. grew up with that you like at least for me, um, like I'd still love to hear something Strokes or Killers esque. Yeah. You know, but. That time's gone, right? And, and or at I, least reinvented in some way. There's a band out of Australia, um, the Violent Soho. Yeah, yeah, I love them. They're producing like like '90s rock, '90s style punk emo stuff, but now and they're doing a great job with it. It sounds amazing. I like it a lot. And there's stuff like that that happens, you know. But you know, like Wolf Mother came out several years ago, obviously. But they were producing like 70s style rock, yep. but it was done with a little modern twist and it was really, really good. You know, so I think you can still play the garage rock, but it has to be done, well, look at the 68. You know, that is pure garage rock. Just two, two person garage rock, but they're on tour all the time, you know, I think they're in Germany right now, but still, it's just like, you know, they're still putting out stuff that's similar vibe, yeah. you know? Well, and then you've got Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet. Which I don't, I don't know. That's a, t- that's a weird one. That's a weird it's one. Like, it's to me. I, I look at Greta Van. I look at them. I'm like, I, I watch. I watch interviews online, and they're like, oh, we never saw. 
We never heard yeah. of Led Zeppelin. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, there's no way you haven't heard of Led Zeppelin. You're so full of it. There's no, <laughs> you can't tell me that. Like, your mannerisms are exactly like Robert Plant's. You know, like yeah. vocally as yeah, well as yeah. musically. Even like the flourishing of the hands and stuff. Like, you can't tell me. Like, you, you yeah. you've watched these performances before, and you're, I mean, you're a good singer. And you're good at mimicry too, you know. Like I don't want to talk bad about them because they are producing, like they're talented, but just don't lie about things, you know. True. Yeah. Be like, yeah, they were our huge biggest influence, you know. Like, okay, everybody's like, cool, you know, we get it, you know. Yeah. But they had like three or four sold out nights here. In I know. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy how yeah. huge they are, yeah, and they're crazy. from Frankenmuth. I know. It's just wild. But yeah, good for them. I, I don't want to say they're terrible. Good for them. Yeah. Well, um, one thing that has kind of resounded throughout the whole conversation so far is that you've always tried to explore music outside of what you already knew. Yeah. Why? why any idea why that is such a driver for you? I was always taught to learn on my own. Um, be a self-starter. Be a learner. Um, family's always about learning. And like I said earlier, about learning and music. And we just, if you just stay with what you know, where are you going to go? I, guess, I, I look at it and go, you're not going to, I don't want to be that grumpy old man who just has nothing to talk to somebody about. Like, I want to be able to relate to everybody. So, you know, I like older music, I like new music, because I want to be able to relate to people on where the level they're, they're at, you know, like, I want to be able to carry a conversation with that person where they're at, you know? Yeah. Because they may not know about Van Halen or Led Zeppelin, but they may know about Tyler, the Creator. They may know about Billie Eilish. You know, like, I can talk to them about stuff that's part of their culture where, I, yeah, I'm an old man, you know? But they're, they may go, oh, this old dude, he actually listens to music that I listen to. And, you know, like, I want to be able to understand where culture's going, too, you know? Yeah. But I just like knowing where culture's going and learning and I don't wanna be the I don't I don't wanna be that old guy who doesn't know anything, who's just completely lost. Uh-huh. You know? All these kids today, they don't know what music is. Big band is where it's at. You know, like I don't wanna be that guy. Yeah, it was it's funny, is I so I was painting in a um, in a gated condo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the this lady, she's older. Um, you know, I don't know how old, but uh, probably in her sixties. And she is blasting Billie Eilish. That's hilarious. For like hours. That's hilarious. <laughs> it was like whoa. What, what, you know, like my my students listen to Billie. Yeah. And I'm and I'm just like so baffled that. And the grandma's listening. The, to the it grandma's too. listening to it too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why should we listen to music? What is it that makes it so appealing? Shouldn't. Don't listen to music ever. Um, what? Don't ever listen to music. It'll ruin your life. Keep kids away from it. No, I just. Even from babies, when you're a young baby, you hear music and you like to move to it. You like to. I mean, children respond to it. I know our language isn't sing songy like some languages are, but I feel like. Every culture creates music. If you can't create music, you can at least listen to it and help yourself, help express yourself. 
you express yourself by the music you listen to and how you listen to it and where you listen to it and who you listen to it with. It's, it's all about sharing and expressing yourself. It's also like you're part of something bigger when you're listening to an album. You know, like you're experiencing, you're like, this person created this for me to enjoy. So you're part of now that person's life. Or sad music, you're listening to something to share an emotion with somebody. Like, oh, this person felt this emotion also. They understand where I'm at. You know, like I don't think I don't think we exist without music. I don't think I don't think there's ever been a time where music hasn't existed in some form. Well, I was I was just reading that um, that vibrations are actually like the the building block of of life. Well, that that was so that was some scientists. I read about that several years ago. How they, yeah, I think vibrations is what is everything, you yeah. know? And I, I read about that several years ago, and I, I, I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, y- y- you let science figure itself out, because it sometimes they say things that aren't entirely accurate at first. But, yeah, I, I definitely think we... So, like, bees, for example. Yeah. Bees communicate with pheromones and vibrations, you know? And I, I, they can tell you... you can go up to, so, you got a beehive in the back. You can go up to that beehive, and by the sound that they make, know if they're what's called queen right. If they're if, they, if the queen's healthy, if the queen's in there, you can tell by the sound the hive makes. Wow. You can tell if a queen is mated by the sound she makes. An unmated queen makes a pipping noise. It's like this pip pip noise that she makes if she's not mated. When she gets mated, she stops making that noise. Music. I think sound, it's just all, it's part of us. We can't get away from it. You know, every, everything does it, you know? And, I, you know, the birds, the birds sing a song in the air. You know, like, they sing a song. It's a song. You know, it's not like chirp, 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 chirp. No, there's melody, there's, there's like, the different notes. Things resonate at different frequencies, you know, like, that are pleasant or unpleasant to us. You know, it's like things, we're, we, Music is just, it's part of us, and you can't, if somebody doesn't understand, like, music, I don't understand them, I don't understand how they <laughs> exist, you know, like, you know, seriously, like, yeah, how do you no. even exist, like, that's part of everything, it's, it, it is everything, yeah. I mean, cultures use music to worship their deities and their gods, you know, like, why would they use music to do that, why would singing a song to your deity be pleasant, like, what, what, why, you know? Yeah, we also did the blood sacrifice, but let's not look at that right now. Let's talk about music. But you know what I'm saying? Like, why is this why is this part of humanity, you know, why is this song? Right. Yeah. Well, Zach, I uh wanted to just say, you know, of all the people I probably know, uh you probably influenced me the most with music, uh, in terms of what I listen to as well. So I'm thankful for that. Awesome. Knowing you for that. So this was a great combo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, for joining. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. All right. All Peace. right. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Leakty. If you like the podcast and want to know more, Check out our Instagram at Soundtrack Podcast or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack.